0: All right, boys, we're live. What's going on? So, we'll what, I wanna, what I want to what I want to talk about first is the beef that you guys have with your differences in investment banking. It seems to be quite serious. Ooh. So, like, yeah. what what is the difference in what the two of you do? Swaps and, or uh, sorry, Jay and Aaron. Uh,
1: yeah, Fox, you go first on this. So I sell companies and help companies buy other companies. Right. I do just mergers and acquisitions. Okay. And uh, Aaron, I don't know exactly what you do. I know it's equity research, but right. So we have basically institutional clients, which are think of
2: just mutual funds and hedge funds, and mm-hmm. to some extent, some high net worth investors, family offices. They uh, they call us, or we call them, and we market research on individual companies. So doing. We talked about this when I asked you guys well, last week. How do you do fundamental analysis in something like Bitcoin? Well, we're doing fundamental analysis on individual companies, and uh my boss and I cover a very small subset within the equity universe, and so we're kind of specialized. So yeah Fox does, like you said, buying and selling companies, is more on the M and A on the true banking side, and I am mm-hmm. more on the the. Uh, basically research side. Although our firm does have an arm that does what, what Fox says. I'm just never involved with it. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: our jobs.
0: Mm-hmm. well, I park cars for jobs. That's a bit over my head. Uh, what exactly is fundamental analysis?
2: So fundamental analysis is doing some very, very deep dives on companies quarterly and annual financials so you're probably aware of you know generally accepted accounting principles if you ever heard heard gap or anything like that so basically you know companies if you're publicly traded you've got to every quarter you've got to release audited financial statements mm-hmm. and actually that's coming up here in the next couple of weeks which is an absolute joy because typically all of your companies do that within a week and a half and, and then you have to crunch all those do.
0: numbers within that time span
2: yeah, so you basically see what's happened, happened with the company over the, the quarter. You know, do you have any difference? Uh, you know, a change to your thesis on why you like the company, why you don't like the company. You know, what's what are, what are earnings doing? What's cash flow doing? And then you put that through the meat grinder of your models, and it's a lot more uh, art than science. You try and arrive at a at a price target. For your companies, so I like to say that like our job isn't necessarily to get the the price the price target you know right on the company. Our job, more so on the research side, is to know every single thing, and I'm talking the minute the minutia, the really detailed stuff on a company for the guys that actually do manage money for clients. So if they have an idea and they don't know some minutiae about a company they call us for it, and that's what we're there for. Not necessarily telling them, hey, this stock is worth, we think it's worth $50. Like, yeah, we do that, but at the end of the day, it's basically knowing everything and giving them really good
0: detailed research. Nice, so. so, so. The fundamental research is more
1: looking at the internal side of the company versus technically looking at the market. Yeah, I that's, yeah, very accurate. Mm-hmm. So looking? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So then, for my job, he gets
0: way more. We've got a special guest I see. I'm just looking at,
1: at a high growth. So It's like he's figuring out what the, the house is worth, that we're selling a house.
0: Wait. Yo, Basically. wait. Cannot hear you over the dog barking, my friend? It's so our specialist guest so far, as a matter of fact. Turn your mic off? Okay. <laughs> Word. Well, Uh, back to you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, four times a year, you have to crunch, like, three months' worth of data in a week and a half. Uh, that's, that's very accurate, yeah. That and sounds uh, like a fucking joy. Yeah, it
2: it sucks i mean it's uh once you get it done though it's it's a good feeling but
0: yeah my mom know, actually happened, uh
2: what'll happen though is you cover these you know we look at uh like i said a small subsector of the stock market mm-hmm. and all these companies within your sector typically report it's not like they're spread out again it's still you'll have like maybe three to four that report after the close one night and you've got to get reports out on all of them before they open in the morning and so that can that can definitely throw you into some one AM, two AM nights very fast. Oh, I bet. Man. Um, so uh and you know, again, I'm I'm more junior on the totem pole in terms of of the research process, like my my boss has final you know, say on what we write and what the price targets are and what the what the opinion is. So, you know, my job more so is uh really the grunt work of, you know, pulling down the model, updating the updating the historical stuff, like going over and I don't know if we've got to do some random time series on a particular financial metric. I get that ready to go, and yeah, it can can be a real joy.
0: So, <laughs> oh, so much vocabulary is just flying over my head. So, what's a time series?
2: Oh, it's so basically, if you if you want to go look, hey, what's this company's return on equity been historically? Like, I've got like a a template built that's linked up to Excel and Bloomberg, and you can go in and. And uh you know, do a data poll going back for however many quarters or years that you want to see. So you're basically just looking at, at trends over time for certain certain metrics.
0: Gotcha. Have you uh have you always been in like investment banking or is this something you recently fell into? How long?
2: No man, I uh I've had a very weird career path. I'm kind of a financial journeyman. Yeah. So I st- I started out um, Started out I, as a I, bank I teller. Actually, not far from it. Uh, I started off uh, working with uh, high net worth clients, so it's typically a job that you go go to or go into later in your career. Um, because most of the people that are in that in that chair are typically, you know, very old or can right. be very old
0: and have time built up dealing with people with a high net. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, so typically the, the career path would be, you know, you would be in research or banking doing what, you know, Fox does. And and uh, if you, I don't know, wanted to get into the space later in and that's what you would do. So I start off on the investment side for, again.
0: All right, so you've been uh, a big baller since day one is what I'm understanding here.
2: <laughs> do what day one?
0: I said you've been a big baller since day one is what I'm gathering here.
2: <laughs> no, I was a... I was an account opener. I did I was like I said I was a glorified bank teller for for uh for a couple of years when I started out after after college. And then I made it so it was a really weird switch. So you you typically if you're gonna get into equity research or banking or something, like you typically do that right after you, you know graduation or you go do MBA and then you you go go into this type of a job. I had no prior research or research experience whatsoever. But so I was basically cold calling shops saying, hey, listen, I've got this, this, and this. Uh no experience in equity research whatsoever, but are you hiring? And just my luck, I found a found a group here in the D.C. area that that was hiring, and uh, yeah, just it was very serendipitous how it happened. So very very fortunate to have landed the position. So
0: very nice. <clears throat> so what do you hope to uh, what do you hope to ultimately achieve in investment banking? Like, do you have an end goal of where you'd like to be, or what?
2: You know, I, a lot of guys in the box process too. Typically, will gravitate from what's known as the sell side. So again, whether that's banking or that sales and trading or research, typically like the partner you know, want to parlay that job over to the buy side. So actually managing money. Um, you know, because what we do, like we don't, we don't invest dollars for clients. Or we we give give advice to people that actually do that. And the buy side tends to be. A little bit more lucrative, um, a little bit more prestigious. Um, but both buy side and sell side have come under a lot of really tough structural challenges over the last. You know, I don't know when you pinpoint it, but I mean, just look at you know people talk about
0: you probably know, the you guys are aware
2: with ETFs and passive investing, and right? So,
0: and an ETF you know, that is
2: uh, an exchange traded fund. Okay. So think of it as a way to, to diversify play on the stock. It's basically like owning the market, except it trades like a stock and you can you can get in and out of it throughout the course of the day. Whereas like someone like a mutual fund can mimic the, the market, but you buy and sell mutual funds on a daily basis. So you, can, you can't get in and out throughout the course of the day. So, but, you know, ETFs, have made it incredibly hard for for active managers just because they're very low cost oftentimes mm-hmm. you know just a couple of basis points i'm trying to think who the lowest cost s p 500 etf right now it used to be vanguard i don't think it is vanguard. i was about that i think say, it, i think, think it's swapping it's, it's schwab now i don't know so uh, but yeah so that's that's made it very difficult for for both um research side, but on the buy side, it's it's made it hard for active managers, and their clients are taking notice and saying, well, I don't know why I'm paying you percent and a half, or if it's a hedge fund, you know, two and 20, like, why am I paying you this when I can go, you know, throw this into a a Vanguard ETF and do a 60-40 and, you know, beat the hell out of your portfolio year in and year out. So, um, aspirationally, that's probably at some, some point what I'd like to end up doing, but, I don't know man like i said i'm a financial journeyman and i think that's kind of the path for me for the next few years i should probably think about that and sit down and figure that out gosh man Fox, what about you man like what's your eventual
1: route um i only planned on doing this for a few years basically as a way to learn a bunch really quickly and I like my firm a lot because I'm a generalist. We don't have any sort of industry specialization at my level. You know, like usually I would have to pick an industry at this point and, and just focus on that. But so I'm able to work with everything from you know, frozen organic food company to uh, biotech to estate, all at the same time. So it's it's basically just a really big learning experience and, you um, you know, just build up some credibility before I start my own thing, which I, I haven't determined yet, but that's the end goal uh, basically just use finance as a way to be exposed to a bunch of different businesses and and uh, Go into something with a larger knowledge set than I would have had otherwise Do
2: you ever find that's a challenge?
1: Like, as you said, you,
2: don't, you guys don't necessarily have a, or you, you and your team don't have a like a sector specialization or anything like that is that a challenge like when you you've got to basically go learn a a new business every deal out like or is that is that part of the thrill for you
1: yeah so it's both i mean so at my level um i'll i'll work with people who are industry experts like all of our senior guys have all specialized um so i'll basically just you know on 10 different teams at once with 10 different senior bankers and um you know every single model is a little bit different every industry is different and all that stuff especially if you're on something like real estate versus bio right um but i get bored quickly so yeah sometimes it's really annoying when you know, i have a week to put together a presentation and i have to learn everything from scratch um, that's where a lot of the load nights come in and stuff like that but you know, at the same time coming from the military and and uh, not knowing exactly what I want to, do, I'm I'm very
0: happy I choose an industry that I would have ended up in. So it's it's an annoyance at times, but keeps things more inter- interesting for sure. Interesting. Word. So swaps, you're uh, you're working on your MBA now, right? Or have you finished that? So we are. I know that we are the youngins here in this in this group.
3: So, yeah, um, I'm working on it right now. I'll graduate next August, I think, and then I'll hopefully be in medical school as well. So, so, yeah.
0: so, Master, how do you go from a Master of Business Administration to medical school?
3: So, to go to medical school, all you have to do is um, take the the recommended classes depending on the school so so actually let me take a step back so typically there's like required classes but now some schools are saying that oh there's only recommended ones and then some schools keep with the traditional um classes that you have to take so so like like an an english class
0: and math class uh, and so forth
3: English, year of bio year of general chemistry right year of organic chemistry a year of physics and then now it's uh, a biochem course, just because the MCAT, which is the Medical College uh, Assessment Test, I think that's what it stands for, um, requ- is a requirement to get in and biochem has uh, become one of the uh, major topics that you need to need to know to do well on the exam. So a lot of schools are looking at uh, students' ability to do well in that class and So, yeah, you got to do pretty well on that exam to get in because Mm -hmm. getting into med school is getting more and more competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of just getting into med school, it's pretty much if we had to do like a ranking system, it'd be one, your MCAT score, two, your GPA, because that's what gets your foot in the door for um, medical school interviews. So those two and then... I'd say three is the interview, and then four, um, probably, like, your extracurriculars and, um, your essays, because from what I've heard from talking to people, essays aren't that big of a deal, but it's how they'll separate you from someone who's on par with you,
0: right, Now, I meant, uh, well, I mean, that was a great explanation, but for you personally, how did you go from, like, getting an MBA, which I would assume is, you know, a much more business oriented degree, for a desire to go into medical school? Like, was it, did something change in your path when you were in school? So,
3: I graduated university with a degree in economics, and I actually wanted to go (laughs) into working in, like, in in a different sector of investment banking from Fox and But that,
0: we could have know. had the trifecta.
3: We, we could have, uh, <laughs> but I kind of changed what I want to do uh, because I don't want to live in a big city. Uh, I also don't really have the personality to, to work in, in investment banking. Um, even though I find it interesting stuff, like I find finance uh, really, really interesting, um, I just couldn't do it in terms of like my personal life. Um, and so, yeah, so that's why I decided to pursue medicine, and then, um, but medicine's also becoming a lot more like any other business.
0: Saturated? Uh,
3: no, just in terms of, like, what is expected, like, a lot of metrics, um, it's basically becoming more of, like, doctors are much more like corporate employees and so su- and such, right. so... And a lot of decisions are being made not by physicians. But, but by,
0: by insurance people. companies?
3: Yeah, well, insurance companies and then people who have, like, MBAs are making decisions at hospitals. And so it's, uh, it's important to have that MBA and have that MD so you can be in there when um, important decisions are being made. So no. you can help uh, patients and the hospital in which you work.
0: Right, because I would assume that the MBAs are in there for the finances of the hospital more so than the care of the patients.
3: Uh, And even then, it's it's kind of like 50-50 with the hospital, I would say. Um, a lot of hospitals are still focusing on making money.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I remember I went to a doctor a couple months ago just because, you know, I had to get that. I just had like a cough or something like that or whatever. It wouldn't go away. And, uh you know, they were, like, taking my blood pressure. <clears throat> you know, they have the two numbers, like, 120 over 80 or whatever the hell the numbers are. And I just asked the lady because I never asked. I was like, hey, what do those numbers mean? She was like, mm, you know, and she, like, kind of tried to give me this explanation. And then she just kind of tapered off. She's like, you know, I don't really know. It's, like, really complicated. And that was just, like, flooring to me. I was like, how are you in this office?
3: Well, a medical assistant, they typically don't know much. Uh, to be honest. But like, uh, still,
0: I mean, the, those, two, those two numbers, something you check every single time you go to the office. It wasn't the first time she had done it, it seemed like. So, I don't know, man. It was just a bit baffling to uh, see that gap in knowledge there. I was like, oh, that's that's reassuring. That's excellent. No, but
3: once you get, like, the, once you, like, if you interact with, like, a, a nurse or a physician assistant, something uh, where you actually have to do, a decent amount of have like a decent amount of medical knowledge it'll show like you probably had just like a medical assistant and they don't really mm-hmm. know much like they just go in and right. type in some stuff for the doctor the doctor rolls in and sees the patient walks out like that's pretty much how it is because right. a lot of stress is being put on physicians because it's becoming like
0: oh yeah i mean the average
3: for physicians to be at, like private practice where it's just like a single doctor it mm-hmm. just doesn't exist anymore right it's just not profitable and it, right. it's hard to maintain a practice right. Right? and you're not getting reimbursed because insurance companies are cutting reimbursement to physicians so it's just how it is wow physicians
0: have
1: positions some of the highest suicide rate
0: yeah yeah what i think I,
3: yeah dentists i think actually have the highest suicide rate out of Whoa. wow
0: holy shit
3: yeah i think
1: surgeons might be top five
0: what the dentists the are
1: number fuck? one though yeah. Do you guys consider chiropractors to be real
0: doctors? Absolutely not. No one does. No. Nope. If, if you are an actual
3: physician and you hear someone say, "Oh, well, I'm a doctor," and they say a doctor of like chiropractic medicine,
0: just laugh at them. Laugh in your face and walk away. <laughs> no takes chiropractors
1: seriously. Like yeah, I, they, I, I asked that because I just saw somebody's Instagram handle. One of the most pretentious Instagram feeds I've ever seen. Um. And it's a chiropractor whose name is Dr. Sam, whatever. Yeah, no, so it's like, um...
0: Well, they don't even go to actual medical school, right? They go to, like, a specific chiropractic school.
3: Yeah, so I think there's probably some chiropractors who are, like, actually in there, just, like... They just weren't able to get into medical school or DO school, and they still wanted to help people, and they saw, like, being a chiropractor is that, and they, like do a little bit more than like a physical therapist but more or less on par with them um and like they have good intentions to like make sure that people are right getting better but a lot of chiropractors are just full of shit trying
0: to well i remember i mean obviously we're all joe rogan fans here so i don't know if everybody like listens to every single episode like i do but i'm sure we all listened to that episode where he had the uh whoever on that was talking about chiropractic and the history of it and how it like came out in i think the uh, 1800s and the guy who created it his father was like some fucking magnet healer or something like that it was just like a bunch of weird shit and that's why it's this whole subset of like medical practice and has its own school because it's not like considered a part of like the medical field because nope. it just doesn't have that scientific backing i wonder how much of how much people feel better from chiropractic is uh just like the placebo effect
3: well i, I... It's more just like, I've never been to one, I don't know if any of you guys have, but I think it's mostly just like a, like, going in and get like a better version of a massage, like, they don't actually like fix anything,
0: Right.
3: it's just like, oh, they make you feel good for a little bit, and then you have to keep coming back. And the thing is, is though, is that insurance companies are reimbursing them more than actual physicians, which is (laughs) kind of bullshit. Yeah. it's not kind of but actual bullshit <laughs>
0: huge bullshit so how do you boys feel about fat doctors
3: um so <laughs> i guess i'll go first on this I think, <laughs> that, I think it's just like so i'll give a pass for like to older physicians just because it's like oh like you're kind of old and if we're honest with ourselves like
0: if i could see some gray guess, and white hair
3: no 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 what i mean is just like the the way that the culture has kind of changed like like fitness is becoming like super huge like
1: Mm
3: -hmm. before it's like oh i'll be like young and fit but then like oh i'm like 30 and then i'm just gonna like blast testosterone
0: and lift yeah
3: (laughs) i'm just gonna go home and like eat chips and crack a beer after work but now it's like oh you know gotta gotta go lift like six times a day gotta gotta make sure i'm going paleo or some shit like that protein shakes every other meal bro protein shake um maybe i'll go run some gear, take some trends, some Annavar, some shit like that. Like it's getting pretty like like the neuroticism inside the fitness industry is
0: absolutely insane. High.
3: Yeah. And I don't know. But for people who are like our age, like when I see them and they're just like like when I went to a medical school interview, I was like, these people are like most likely very nice people, but like I don't see how you as a physician can be clinically like obese like right. your bmi is easily 36 well
0: that's like I, yeah. to me it seems like going to a therapist who's also a schizophrenic oh
3: yeah yeah no no like how can you give someone advice
0: when well, you can't even take can care of being, yourself yeah
3: yeah, like, yeah how can you do that like there's definitely there are definitely very nice people who want to help uh people live live the best of their lives but how but part of being a physician is being an example for your patients. right like how can you do that if you're obese, you drink a shit ton, you smoke a lot? Like, right. how can you do that and tell your patient, oh, don't smoke, maybe reduce the amount that you drink,
0: right? Uh, go exercise while you're at home, like crushing
1: a family bucket at up from Popeye. Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing, right? I wouldn't care. No, it, it, so it depends. It's one thing if they're If they're trying to follow a healthy lifestyle, and the way that they understand a healthy lifestyle is making them unhealthy, clearly they just don't have the power, and that would be a warning sign. But if they know, like let's say you shouldn't smoke, but they still just do it anyway, I mean, I don't. As long as they know what the correct answer is, I don't care if they choose to follow it.
0: Reasonable. it's reasonable yeah i just get back to that
1: the guy's like oh yeah you, you know pasta for every single meal It's fine and he's fat that would be more of a problem than if he's saying pasta is unhealthy but I, I like it so i eat it all stuff right i think that's a that's a fair uh, fair assessment
0: yeah i guess it just you'd probably be pretty hard pressed to uh to get that admission of self-awareness from somebody in that circumstance in my opinion anyways but, well so that's why it's an opinion. It could be wrong. What about you, Aaron?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely undermines credibility. Like I look at it from a slightly different perspective. So like I'll every now and then, like I will go out if, if it's been a while in terms of uh, weightlifting, I'll be like, you know, it's been a while. I'm not sure I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Right. I've got a kink in my, in my programming. I'll go work with a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So like, I, 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 man, I've belonged to so many freaking gyms over the years. It's incredible. You know, you always get that complimentary, hey, come in and meet with, you you know, Joe Blow trainer or whatever. And you look at the guy, and I'm sure the guy's got some type of certification, but I'm like, this guy does not, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's in really good cardiovascular health. That's great. Like, that's not what I'm looking to do. Like, I'm looking to build muscle.
1: Right.
2: Go find me someone who looks like the ideal. And that's what I actually did this summer. Uh... I went out and found some big Russian-looking dude here in the city who, he was a bodybuilder. I'm like, man, I'm going to guess this guy probably knows a thing or two about building muscle.
1: Russian of way, course, to this Jesus. Guy,
2: this guy is absolutely juicing, and he admits to it. <laughs> but uh, I, the foundation for, for getting people to build muscle like is absolutely there, and you can tell a difference. It's night and day. Because like, I've, I've worked with a lot of trainers, and you. you know who the good ones are immediately. So kind of back to the, an unhealthy or obese physician like yeah, totally undermines credibility, and, and same thing. Like it, again, goes to like the, the realm of physical fitness and the fitness industry.
0: Mm-hmm. So next time, word.
3: So uh, just just since uh, we kind of had this come in, just through what I said and what Aaron said, what are your all thoughts on steroids? Because personally, I don't I don't really care if people are running gear, like yeah. that, just, just like your classic person. Even your average person and in athletics, like, I really think I'm perfectly fine with athletes taking steroids or HGH or anything. I mean, yeah. Especially just a normal person or, like, you know, an actors do it for a role
0: or something, mm-hmm. I don't care. But as long as it's in a sport where, it's, where everybody's on the same plane Right. Yeah, if everybody's juicing, then it's cool. But, like, if one dude's juicing and one's not, like, obviously the dude who's juicing is probably going to fuck the other guy up. Just for the sole fact that he's, like, you know, chemically enhanced. Hey, Aaron, did you see the uh, fight last night? Uh,
1: I, I was going through a fight of my own <laughs> in a different way, so I did not see the fight
2: last night. You got to watch it live. It
1: was pretty sweet. Yeah, aftermath. I should say I wasn't really even paying attention to the fight. That the awesome. fight
3: wasn't that interesting. The end of the fight, the after fight.
0: Like, yeah, the after fight fight was the biggest fight of the night.
2: No, I, I saw some stuff on Twitter uh, this morning. I just kind of scrolled through the feed. Yes, I, <laughs> I saw some interesting crap went down afterwards. But no, I did not watch the fight. So, what's give me give me the recap here, guys? Like, what what was like the what happened after the fight? Like,
1: come on, yeah, give me your best. Like, so. Fight.
0: So Khabib <laughs> fucked up McGregor like he just fucking manhandled him. From what I've seen in the highlights, and you know, from what I saw the fight as well. And uh, for the end of the fight, Khabib took McGregor's back and then got him around the neck and choked him out. And yeah, he's uh, McGregor like neck, crank. Hmm?
3: neck crank.
0: Neck crank. There you go. Yeah, he cranked him out. Um, so Connor tapped. And after Connor tapped, Khabib stood up and he was just like, you know, still in this fucking zone. You know, like in this uh, just fucking fight zone, I guess. And I think somebody from McGregor's side of the octagon started talking shit. And so, you know, he's screaming into the ring, you can see Khabib just start to like yell out of the ring. He's just like, he's got his arms thrown back like he's just ready to fucking get some. And, uh, like, sh- you know, the couple seconds after that he fucking jumps up over like the seven foot high octagon. And just like hops into the crowd and starts fucking beating the shit out of this dude. And there's like this huge mob, security's running over, trying to separate it apart. While this is all going on, some guy, I guess, on the other side of the octagon, on Khabib's side, hops into the octagon and starts decking Connor in the back of the head, who's still fucked up because he just had to tap out from his neck crank.
3: So, so, so here, let me jump in for a second. So actually, Connor isn't uh, clean in this. He actually had earlier, after Khabib had jumped out, he goes around and tries to hit. He like, tried to punch one of uh, Khabib's guys and oh so shit. he gets, like, stopped. Yeah, you can see Conor throw a punch in one of the videos. And so he is taken down off the fence. Right. And then that's when he, like, walks back. And then you see Khabib's
2: guys come from the back and deck him in the back of the head.
0: So oh, he I didn't on, know that like, he was Conor throwing a punch.
2: Is all this. Right. Is this the most infamous extracurricular fight since the Malice at the Palace, you'd say? You guys even know the yeah.
0: Malice at the Palace? Well, yeah. actually... Uh, I just, saw a, uh, I just saw a clip on Instagram of uh, when Brennan Schwab, Brennan Schwab and Joe Rogan did their MMA podcast together. And he was actually saying that he will not go to that fight for that reason. He's like, I think there's going to be a brawl between the Irish and the Russians. And uh, he's totally right. Called it.
1: I mean, there are so many videos of people out like the atrium and stuff around the stadium. Just the fans fighting in the, in the hallways. <laughs> oh, really? I missed that. Yeah, just going at it. Just holy shit, man! Twenty people just hopping around, punching each other, and I guess even on the strip, it was just pretty dramatic all night. Wow. Three of Khabib's people got arrested. Yeah. Whoa. Wow.
0: Yeah. So there's your fight highlight.
2: Okay, I like it.
0: Now, <laughs> please give us a rundown of your fight, my friend. Uh. No. You
2: kind, of kind of broke. up my fight. No, no. Uh, my fight was more with uh, internal personal demons. <laughs> <laughs> so waging jihad against himself. <laughs> uh, we'll just say the good guys won. Okay, good. We'll say that. Uh, uh,
0: morality uh, <laughs> pulled through.
2: Yeah. So, which. Uh, made for an interesting morning i'm still trying to get my crap together here you guys should see my kitchen right now it is i've got fox on it what your home setup is with, with work but i've got my dual monitors on my kitchen island and i've got like extension cords going everywhere because my island doesn't have a plug-in only is,
3: two monitors
2: what is this oh exactly this you need phone. like four you
0: need at least three per room dog
2: you know, i used to have this is really weird before i got to my current position i had like i had three or four monitors like i remember that i would never think that was so cool like i mean when i when i got my fourth monitor i'm like super okay. cool
1: hacker like
2: you can never you can never you can always add monitors you can never you can't take monitors away now oh so no
3: like,
2: you can't but so uh, at work i have a laptop and
3: uh like an external monitor that i can just plug in to and then once i started doing that and then i'd have to like go to a meeting without my second monitor
0: I you think feel I like you're missing an arm here
2: yeah
0: you feel right. like you're missing an arm
2: yeah one of the guys at our on our desk has when he started like he basically looked like he looked like black friday on amazon <laughs> he had just boxes of crap and he's got the yeah, eight monitors and his what own a personal bloomberg setup it's what pretty impressive not gonna lie
0: what about you, Fox? You seem like a you seem like a sole laptop kind of guy. You seem like a MacBook kind of guy.
3: Nah, he has to have multiple monitors. Uh,
2: work, I have two monitors. At home, I have one. Oh. That's surprising. That's the upset of the year so far, in my book. Alone monitor Alan.
1: Yeah.
0: Almost as upsetting as him denouncing Fiji water.
1: Yeah, but most of my work is just reviewing stuff or in PowerPoint or something like that. So as long as I have one big monitor in my laptop kind okay of a big okay going on that makes that sense. makes sense then but i don't i don't use like bloomberg or anything so I,
2: I, I wish i had a, a bloomberg uh, to go that would be pretty sweet you should that just system. pay
3: you should just pay for the bloomberg terminal at your house yeah, yeah. just a cool
2: 15 g's a month that would be hey. that'd be great
0: Wait, what was the Bloomberg terminal?
2: So it's sort of the industry standard for, for uh, basically all financial accounting, you name it, data basically goes to, goes to Bloomberg and yeah, it's not really a a terminal, they call it a terminal, it's just basically a subscription service and you've got a very unique unique keyboard, but I mean, that's the, Hmm. there's a big uh, messaging service that's pretty much standard across the industry as well although i will say this some people have gotten into a lot of trouble on bloomberg messenger over the last i don't know call it it 10 years
1: especially
2: on the on the trading side yeah because traders are the biggest shit talkers that i know they're all just
3: bros and they send just ridiculous messages to each other yeah it's it can be pretty egregious like I don't know. If you, like, if you're looking for an HR offense, you're gonna find it from a trader. <laughs> Bloomberg terminal message.
0: So, so you pay? Is it actually fifteen grand a month?
2: I don't know if it's that. It depends on your level of service too, and also okay. like, you can pay more for more detailed, intimate, like Damn. pricing, um, pricing looks, like level one, two, and three quotes, which. I would have a, a tough time describing right now because I don't really do too much on you know the broker side anymore. But there's different tiers of service that you can get, and yeah, if you get like all the bells and whistles, I think I think you can get up there close to like 15, 20 grand.
0: Wow, yeah. a so month! Have Holy shit!
1: Appropriate HR messages. We have a tradition at our firm where if somebody leaves a firm lock, you jump on it and send a launching email around the firm. <laughs> Excellent. Wait, say that again. I missed it. So if somebody leaves their computer unlocked, somebody else will jump on and send some sort of raunchy email from it. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so I just got one a few minutes ago from kid fresh out of college to about fifteen people saying thirsty for some milk. Anybody ready to get milk?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think thirsty for some milk by itself would have been better, personally. <laughs> just.
1: Of milk messages going
0: around. Milk messages, huh? That's a new thing.
1: Nope, never anything, so I think we're fine. That's fine. <laughs> but, like, so last year, we do, like, a Christmas party every year. And we invite a lot of people who left the firm if they left on, you know, good terms right. and everything. We had a ton of people who will just come for two years out of college and then leave, so we'll invite them back. And one of the secretaries came out and sent, his name was, like, John Smith. <laughs> Very generic, and she sent it to the wrong John Smith. He probably gets a ton of these because his name is like john.smith at gmail.com, right? right? Like most yep. generic. And he responds back to the entire firm with
0: just a picture of a gay firm of a what,
1: like a gay, gay train, just
0: oh, nice, just pounding each
1: other. nice, and of course, HR starts freaking out, like you know, saying, Sorry, this. This was a mistake. We have long.
0: no idea how this could happen. Oh my gosh.
1: A very senior person at the firm who may or may not be the CEO just responded with Who leaked the pictures from so and so's wedding? wedding? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I know I have some sort of umbrella when I send basically anything on email.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I'm glad to know that in the finance industry, it's truly a bunch of goons. It it's like everybody thinks that it's like you know, just like a fucking bank talk with the show. But you're like, oh yeah, it's like oh, it's you know, like all like nice and clean or whatever, like super dry. But no, it just sounds like it's a bunch of fucking bros.
1: I mean, it's ninety percent males between the ages of twenty-one and thirty-five who are overworked and tired.
0: So. <laughs> so a great time.
1: It's I mean, honestly, it's a lot like the military experience in that regard. So. Yeah, it's bonding in a way. That's an interesting
2: parallel. I like it. I like it.
0: Indeed. So, uh, Aaron, what what other uh, career fields have you been in? Have you always kind of been in banking since uh, getting out of college, or what?
2: Uh, well, I used to drive cars too.
0: Nice. Um, As a valet, or what?
2: So, I was a service driver at a Porsche and Mercedes dealership nice. in my hometown. Which was quite fun in the summer.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Uh,
2: but uh, yeah, no, I've always had a finance finance tent, so I've been with yeah, just two firms post post uh, undergrad. Um, like I said, it was a very unique career pivot. I shouldn't say very because I mean, it happens, but it's just not. It's a very unorthodox way of getting into the, into an equity research type of role.
1: So valets at like high end restaurants are some of the best stories.
0: Some of the best what?
1: Best stories. I give it to a restaurant where a lot of celebrities and stuff are coming through, and they're just driving around in their and they're asking and whatever. He gets into good stories. Oh yeah. After-
0: yeah. Man, I was talking to this one dude uh, at a one hotel that I was working at, and he said that uh, one of the like some guy came in in like a real nice new Corvette. And one of the valets just fucking took his car out for the night and like picked up some chick. And as soon as he picked up the chick, apparently the chick sat down in the car and was like, I know this isn't your fucking car. Like just started going off on him and shit. But he got the car back without, you know, without getting caught at all. So I don't know that works. Have you ever,
2: have you ever messed up or danged a vehicle?
0: Uh, As a matter of fact, I did just, I was trying to cut a turn and I scraped like the wheel well of the back right tire. Of yep. uh, Like a shitty Toyota, but it was, well, not a shitty Toyota, a relatively new Toyota, but it was a rental car, so, like, it's low value. But uh, I was able to wipe it off enough to where the people didn't say anything, so that's the only one I've messed up so far.
2: <laughs> I've messed up one, one car, I remember, when I used to be a service driver.
0: How badly? And
2: it wasn't bad. They had to repaint a bumper. Basically, I went to go park this car, and it was on an incline in the service lot, and I didn't put the parking brake on, so when it was on the incline going down, like, of course it lurched forward a little bit into this little concrete, like, barrier that was there, and I knew exactly what I did when I, I was like, oh, shit. It wasn't a super nice, I mean, it was a, it wasn't a rental, but it was, like, probably a nicer Infinity or something at the time. So that was, that was quite fun having to go back and explain to whoever the lot manager was, like, hey. uh, I just fucked up
0: your car. (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think all it was was a. They just had to repaint the bumper, I think. So I do remember I, I messed up my brother's truck pretty good, back when I was sixteen years old. He had a. This was. Yeah, he had like a two thousand two jacked up F two fifty with. The, this is when they when Ford was making the seven liter, power strip diesel. So like the, oh God! Really so that bitch could move. Yeah, and so he was ready to sell it, and like the day before he, he sold it or was getting ready to sell it, I had to go move it out of our parents' driveway or something, and I, again, we had like a, a crevice in between the driveway and some, and some railroad ties on the side, and I cut the, the turns too much when I was going down. And basically just jacked up his wheel well. That was a lot of fun having to go to him and explain to him, like, hey, no, you're trying to sell this thing, but here's eight hundred dollars worth of damage.
0: Nice. I think the worst and best thing that I've ever done to a car was because it didn't actually fuck up, but uh, I was seven, probably seventeen years old. And I was over at my buddy's house and I was driving a shitty 98 Saturn SL1. It's so like this tiny little fucking car that I couldn't even sit up all the way straight or else my head would be like fucking banging on the ceiling. But uh, he, li- we lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere in Virginia, like out in the sticks. So uh, there was like a bunch of gravel roads to get back onto the main highway. And uh, I was just, I wasn't even trying to show off for anybody. I was just in my, like by myself in the car at the time. And I was leaving his house to go back to mine. And uh, I was like, you know, kind of like swerving a little bit on the gravel. And I was like, there was a turn coming up and I was like that I can fucking drift this turn. It's so, like I try to cut it out. And instead of, you know, instead of drifting like I thought I would like it's fucking fast and furious, I just keep going the same direction and slide off the fucking road into a ditch. And luckily the neighbor next door, like, came down. And he's like, yo, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I was like, I hope my car's fine. So he just pulled it out with a chain. And it was fine after that, you know, there was no visible damage or anything like that. There was a little bit of dirt on the tires and shit. But I was, I was counting my blessings, man. I did not try to drift on a gravel road again. (laughs) (laughs) I was just really pissed because it was just for myself and I wasn't even trying to show off and I fucked it up. I was like, man, it wasn't even worth it. Any good car fuck-up stories from you boys?
1: Nope. Any good
0: goon stories? Any good party stories?
1: Nope. you You
2: guys haven't, uh... Uh, I mean, I did, yeah, my my phone, phone. and that's about it. Nothing ridiculous. Nothing to where you compromise the structural integrity of your vehicle. Oh, I mean,
1: yeah, that, 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 the bumper thing, that's about it. Nothing insane, though. Yes, yeah, I, mean. I was driving probably about 45 on a fairly busy street, and you looked left, and looked right and it looked left again. He just pulled out in front of me and I on him. Nice. It wasn't my fault. He, he pulled out while I was, while I was in the room. So. It, fucked it was up? It, I mean, it was serious damage to the cars, but nobody's hurt or anything.
0: Well, Did you have goodness. to see
1: a chiropractor afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they put me on a stretcher and everything.
0: they the little.
1: the and they immobilized me and everything.
0: Gives him a little yeah. neck brace. No, they do
3: that because a lot of times after uh, car accidents, people, like, even if they're fucked up, they'll get out of the car like nothing happened and then collapse. Oh, wow. Yeah. because, like, they're
0: in shock or what?
3: No, it's not shock. They're just, like, disoriented.
0: Hmm. Well, then, no good goon stories, no good party stories, nothing? Come on. Not really. No rapscallionism in any of you?
1: for public consumption. Yeah, you know, exactly. That, yeah. I, I, that's kind of what
0: I'm thinking. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, boys. Didn't you still like egg houses or something like that when you were like 14? Set your friends on fire? Nothing? No.
3: I mean, some stuff, but nothing like
0: that bad. I mean, that's not that bad. It's not like we broke anybody's windows.
1: People still egg houses.
0: I mean, when we oh, were yeah. 14, man. Hell yeah.
1: No. My kids, buddies, we would. Stay in their house and
3: duel and play Fortnite and yeah. Oh yeah, swat
2: <laughs> So I was uh, when was this is uh, six months ago, a year? I can't remember now. But I was in Wichita, Kansas, the night that that kid got swatted, or that family got swatted, and the Wichita police killed killed someone.
0: Whoa! What happened?
2: So, isn't in the swatting deal like we're Basically, I like call in a fake.
0: Yeah, you call in a like a situation. fake whatever. Yeah, and you're like you we need the SWAT. You put in a threat, I yeah, guess, yeah. grievous you know grievous enough to where they need to send out the fucking SWAT team to yeah. somebody's house.
2: So that, this is the first I'd ever heard of it. So I was at my sister-in-law's house or her, her parents' house, whatever, and they brought in the the uh, like the paper or something like that. Like, did you guys see what happened? Like, you know, down across town last night. No. Yeah, some some gamers, or whatever. I think they were like in California. They one one of them tried to SWAT the other, and he put in a request for the wrong, like, wrong address or wrong person.
1: Ooh, shit. And
2: uh, Wichita, the Wichita police ended up shooting this poor kid on, or the dad, or I don't know who it was. But they killed someone basically on the their front step.
1: Jeez. Because you
2: think of, like think about it though, like you're someone shows up at your house or whatever, the police, you just basically go outside like.
1: The SWAT teams there, yeah, you're gonna be strong. like, what
0: the fuck?
2: Yeah. So that was that was quite shocking when that went down.
0: Shit, man. Well that's not as lighthearted as I was expecting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a little that's a little uh more lighthearted than uh Box coming out and saying that physicians have the highest
0: suicide rate, right? Uh, yeah, you do got me there. I was surprised to hear that it was dentists. I feel like they would or
2: dentists,
0: yeah. I feel like I don't know, I feel like dentists got it pretty good, you know what I'm saying? Just drill out some cavities every once in a while. Yeah, I,
1: I should have been... you have a permanent inferiority top ones.
0: Yeah, you are like Doctor Junior. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
2: know man, like you could just go one step up and be an orthodontist and just print money. Like, I, I could live with that.
0: Who? Cool. Dorthodontist McBank?
2: Oh, they, dude,
3: they make so much cash. It's it's a cash business. Holy shit. They make the most money out of anybody in quote-unquote medicine. Wow.
0: Yeah. Is it, like, much harder to get into the dentistry, or?
3: Um, I don't know. I think it's about on par, everything. Is... What
0: well, the fuck would anybody be a dentist, then?
2: ever ever dated dentists? No. Dental students?
1: Nope.
0: I don't talk to girls. I stay in my room. (laughs) And wash my penis. (laughs) Very carefully. One day. One day I'll leave.
2: What what, what about you, Aaron? Oh, I was just, they're they're an interesting bunch. I'll say over the years, like I've had industry specialization with girls I've dated and I've gone from There was a point where I literally think like three or four girls in a row that I dated were either dental assistants, dentists, or dental students. That was quite odd. And they it it wasn't like it was like, you know, a girl and all of her friends, like it was completely random. But they're, they've got some interesting personalities. I know I just brought up the personality word, so there will be no MBTI talk.
0: Good, because it's inferior to the big five.
1: I need a break from Myers-Briggs talk. Every time I go on Twitter, it's just, it's all over. Yeah, it's
0: definitely... It's like uh, astrology for men at this point.
2: (laughs) It does get a little...
0: Yeah, bro, I'm an INTJ. Oh, shit, you're an ENFP? Bro. I don't know about you, man. Same fucking shit as when you tell a chick that you're a Gemini. They're like, oh my God. You're evil. And you're like, what are you talking about? I've said that's four sentences say, to you.
1: No, you're autistic. And you <laughs> walk away. I mean, all this numerology stuff, too, it's like...
0: Oh, that's a new one. Please elaborate.
1: I don't even know how it works. I've not researched it, but it sounds like bullshit, so... But I see it making the rounds. Now I... Influential I, people.
0: Yeah, Holy Fox, shit. I, I,
1: yeah,
2: I've seen several... High profile
1: accounts out there
0: with you i love this uh this do you guys follow new real peer review on oh, twitter yeah, that's a great yeah they just posted one here here's the abstract critical animal studies emerged in higher education as a result of mainstream animal studies being perceived as having sold out uh, as having been domesticated colonized uh as having been domesticated Colonized by organizations and individuals without any real or practical commitment to the animal rights and liberation, to a vegan and generally anti species lifestyle, etc. Animal standpoints theory stands alongside other standpoint theories in their commitment to represent the perspectives and viewpoints of those who have been historically marginalized, oppressed, and exploited. Wow, so they're talking about the oppression of wild animals now. This is what. We are degenerating to, in our peer-reviewed studies. I just fucking watched a clip yesterday, of some college professor, talking about uh, she. I forget what exactly was referencing, but she just the statement was that there's no biological difference between the races, other than the amounts of melatonin they have. Yeah. I'm uh, kind of
2: glad I'm not
0: school. Melatonin instead of melanin melanin. instead of melanin correct which is what judges the tint of your skin yes no she said melatonin as in what you take to go to sleep the sleep hormone meaning something completely different but now was great great this is who is educating the youth this is fantastic maybe it was just a slip of the tongue she was nervous but uh it was concerning do you guys
2: use
3: melatonin no I use an application that reduces the blue light from my phone, though.
0: That night mode, bro. No, uh, I actually have been for the past couple of days since starting Sober October just because when I quit smoking pot, it's hard for me to go to sleep, so hope's helps knock me out. CBD oil. <sighs> going been, all the way, man. I've
2: been, tra- I've been, I've been trying, trying that here, I'm not going to lie. CBD oil? Yeah. How's
0: it treating
1: you?
2: You know, like I probably need to do a more critical assessment of uh, my n equals one on this because I I don't know if I can tell tell the difference. But I, I switch it up way too much though. Like there'll be nights I'll do melatonin, when nights I'll do that. But for my money, you just can't beat good old fashioned zeke
0: <laughs> Man, that shit fucks me up. It makes me uh, it actually makes me a little bit more restless. Me those restless legs, man.
1: I just go to sleep like a normal person. I do magnesium spray. I don't know if it does anything,
2: but it makes me feel better. So it's pretty easy to go to sleep after, like, 11:30 p.m. deadlifts. Is that <laughs> <like your season>? <laughs> <laughs> No, that one day
3: I I, I worked out at like 12:00 12, 12:30. 12, I ended up going to bed at
2: like four because I'm so. So a wired after that. Yeah, that seemed like a suboptimal decision.
3: Yeah, and so, and then I, like, actually put in some work in that workout, and then I felt like shit when I woke up on Saturday 8, and then went back to sleep and woke up at 4, and I felt amazing after that.
0: And what have we learned?
3: Don't work out at that time if you're going to really
2: bust your ass.
0: Boom, there we go.
2: Fox, do you get a consistent workout schedule? I can't imagine you do. No, not really. It's got a consistent work schedule.
1: So the problem is, a lot of our, a lot of my coworkers will take a break from like six to eight, eat dinner, work out, and then come back. Um, but having a dog, I try to do things that, you know, he's already alone, you know, unless the dog walker's there during the day, so. I don't want
0: him to be alone more than he has to be. So you should get
1: him another dog friend. Do body weight stuff and shit like that. Do you guys have a gym in your building? Yeah, uh, a private one. It's not. It's not included.
0: Right. Oh, fuck Appreciate that. It. But I don't
1: know. I, I should get back to, I know, I to
0: back to it. I'm on those poverty workouts. I just do push ups, pull ups, and dips in my house.
1: I have my pull-up bar
0: coming tomorrow. Yeah. Nice. I do a lot of kettlebell
2: stuff. Functional movement. Get those hip thrusts, right?
0: (laughs) Gotta practice for the Christmas party.
3: (laughs) Fox just needs to buy some dumbbells that he can use at his desk. Just sitting there doing some curls, some shoulder press.
0: I mean curls are all you need, right? It's all that matters. Yeah.
1: Curls for the girls.
0: Well, uh looks like we're running out of shit to talk about, boys. so I think we're going to go ahead and call it for this pod. Sounds
2: good, Peace out,
0: everybody. We will tune in uh, within the next couple days, either with just myself or with uh, a couple of guests again or a guest. I don't know. We'll figure it out. You'll just have to fucking wait and see. Bye, everybody.